you're not an icon of the industry, you're a legend. <laughs> and so much of your legendary work is around culture and the brand proposition, the brand promise, the brand uh, delivery. Talk to us about that initial stage of transparency and communications and how that relates to those things. I love what Drew just said. So he, he did an excellent job of defining that there's a process. So he could teach that process. And I think most of the service companies, they, they don't teach that process. I'm not saying that specific process, but a process. a process. So it's about the people in the audience making sure that their company has a process that matches up with their brand deliverable. What are you trying to deliver to the client experience? Walmart's brand promise is different than Target, yes. and that's different than Nordstrom's. And so what they have is they have business processes that are set up to make sure that the client experience hits that mark. So what I love about what you said is that there's a, a repair. Okay, so that repair exists, but I think one of the things that you want to make sure in your process that you do is that you, at the beginning of that discussion with the homeowner, you need to set the expectation that when I, when I bring the system back to life, I still need to do an evaluation of your system because there might be a secondary problem yeah. and you need that set of recommended repairs that you need to give the customer that option. If the customer chooses to decline that, that's fine. Mm -hmm. But if they, if they are smart and they realize that you've identified a secondary problem, you, you, you fix that. I can't tell you how many times I've heard the discussion with service managers, well, I fixed the contactor and then something else was wrong, but I'd already given the price to the homeowner and now I gotta go back and tell them that there's something else. And so that creates a, a le a, that transparency problem. The tech was doing his job, but the process was flawed. It, it, it didn't give the technician the opportunity to give the customer the input at the beginning to say, Wally, first thing I'm gonna do is I'm gonna do a full diagnostic. I'm gonna bring the system back up. Then I want your involvement. We're gonna go through that process again and then I'll give you your options for recommendation, whether that's, we call it the four R's, right? So I, I love that and so to me, it's about the company having a defined process for its technicians and then training around that so that you're not going to do it right every time. No, no company's perfect. It doesn't work that way. But what we need is we need a good training procedure that gets technicians to understand this is what we're trying to accomplish. And then the company's brand, referrals, reviews, all that stuff cascades behind that. Cause, yeah, because he talked, he talked about something right there that's really important. And it all, obviously, it all depends on how we got to the house, right? Is it, is it a demand service or is it a maintenance call, right? right. Um, so in a, in a demand service situation, the first thing you're dealing with is a symptom, right? Something happened. And something caused that something to happen, right? So we got to figure out what is the something that happened, bad contactor. But think about it that way, right? What caused the bad contactor? Right? Contactors just don't go bad, right? Something caused them to go bad. So is there some other systemic problem? So we got to deal with the, the symptom first. He's got to bring the system. I love the phrase, bring the system, because I, I love the, the doctor analogy. If we can use the doctor analogy because people get it, bring the system back to life, deal with the root cause, right? We'll replace the contactor. Once I get the system operating, now I can do the full-blown system check and tune up and look at the whole root, you know, the root cause. What caused the contactor to go bad? Because what might cause the capacitor to go bad? What might then cause the fan motor to go bad? Compressor, so forth and so on, right? And more often than not, what we find, uh, industry statistics, and you know this from the 90s as well, 93% of the problems um, come down to 93% of the, the situations in the industry, industry uh, equipment failures, are distilled down to 23 problems. 23 problems cause 93% of the, 
the down systems in the industry, and 16 of those problems could be prevented with maintenance, right? So maintaining the system is critical. Dirt is the enemy of the system. Here's the interesting thing though. In the last 10 to 15 years, the, beyond dirt, what we have found? Lack of airflow. Improper airflow, duct systems that choke off the performance of the machine are what is what is really causing components to fail. It's stressing the components prematurely. A good air conditioning system, less the coastal ones, you know, obviously they get eaten up by the, the salt air, but a good air conditioning system should last 20, 20 years. A good furnace, you know, and properly installed, a good furnace system properly installed, or boiler, you know, a boiler's probably about 30 years, but a furnace should go about 25 years. That doesn't mean, obviously, that newer technology doesn't come out to, you know, to make that other stuff antiquated, but you should be able to get about 20, 25 years out of a heating and air conditioning system. You just should. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, your metaphor with the bring it back to life, and I couldn't help but think, Drew, as you were speaking, a real come back to life issue you faced just a year, year and a half ago? A year ago, yeah. I mean, a year ago. Yeah, just it's about it's, a year ago. And so for those of our viewers who aren't familiar, you had a heart attack. Yes. Uh, while on vacation uh, with Kim and your family uh, a year ago. And I got to thinking about, you know, with technicians sometimes they try to explain too much too quick. In your situation, their first concern was to what? <laughs> to bring you back to life. Yes. They didn't start giving you advice and things you can do for long-term quality of life, like in that moment, it's like, let's save his ass and then we'll talk to him about things that he might be able to do, medication or whatever it is, yeah. or lifestyle, whatever, that can help you live a long, healthy life. And I mean, can you imagine a scenario? I'm just thinking when you guys are talking, you're in the ambulance, they had to hit you like four or five times. Five times. Five times they lost you. And so they hit you with the paddles, right? What if in the ambulance, where they're doing that, they're trying to give you advice, like life advice. Right? <laughs> Let me tell you about that steak. <laughs> right? so, so, bam, Drew, you're gonna have to go easy on the red meat, bam, you know? I mean, it wouldn't, it wouldn't have been, you wouldn't have taken it very well. However, once they stabilized you and saved your bacon, you were probably all ears, like what can we do to prevent this from happening yeah. again, right? How do, we, how do we not have that problem? Yes. Right, and I just thought it was such a great metaphor you guys were talking about, and we're laughing about it now, thank God we're laughing about it a year later. Yeah. Um, but it just is sometimes technicians will try to overwhelm the homeowner in the first two or three minutes at, at the, at, you know, in the doorway still, right? Yeah. Take the time, earn the position of trust like you're talking about. One of the things that I've learned is that it's so important for technicians to explain what's going to be happening because I've seen it happen on many occasions. I mean, the bottom line is a technician doing a good, thorough service is a value to the homeowner. But sometimes a good thorough service takes time. And if they had somebody else out a year ago that they were in and out in 10 minutes, they may not see the time it takes as a value. They may, it may actually detract from the value. I was on a call one time with a, a great technician in Southern California, it's a maintenance call. The guy had two systems and the technician was so thorough. Went in, pulled the blower motor, cleaned it, just, I mean, spent, we spent an hour in the attic on the first system. We're going down to the basement for the second system and I overhear the homeowner on the phone and he's telling someone on the phone, yeah, the plumber was in and out in 10 minutes. I got an HVAC guy, he's been here for an hour, he's not even done yet. The fact that this technician was taking such time to do it, such a thorough job, which was great for the homeowner, was actually detracting from the value because the homeowner didn't understand. And so it's so important, I think, for a technician to say, now, Mr. and Mrs. Homeowner, depending on what I find, 
uh, you know, we're going to go through this thing from tip to stern and do a great, it may take a little longer than what you're normally accustomed to. But I'm sure that's the kind of service that you expect from us. So now when it takes me an hour, you understand why. It's adding value, not detracting. That gets back, I think, to your comment about transparency and communication. It's so important in those first few minutes, don't overwhelm them. Don't try to give them lifestyle advice. Save their bacon. Like you say, address the problem. Get the system back where it needs to be. You'll have plenty of time at the end to go for those longer kind of recommendations and advice or whatever you want to call it. Got to throw this out yeah. attached to that. The service managers and the owners need to hear this conversation, which is you can't put the dispatch function yes. down the technician's throat mm -hmm. to finish that call so quickly that the technician is disjointed from Amen. the brand experience. So the comment would be, uh, the company has a process. You, you described the process. You're talking about an hour. If the technician explains, it's gonna take me you know, about an hour to go through this process and so forth. The expectation is that the homeowner would have a different opinion. So, but the service manager and the dispatch function is on the back end of that and they may not be Where happy. Are Where are you? Yeah. Where are you? So the connection there is uh, pricing and gross profit dollars per hour generated on a call is what we need to be focused on, the quality of the experience of the call. So would I rather run 10 calls that average $250 <laughs> or would I rather run six or five calls that average $450 or $500 but have customers that are writing reviews that are happier? If you actually look at the pay for the technician, you look at the gross profit dollars per hour, the fewer calls with a higher average ticket with a higher GP leads to a better profitability for the company. You don't need as many service technicians. Your revenue is higher. And at the end of the day, the customers are actually happier and they write better reviews. So yep. the, uh, there, there's this business concept that attaches to the tech communication. So many times I, I walk into a company on a consulting visit and they're, they're beating on the technicians. So you, you do the discussions yep. with the service group and the techs are saying, well, yeah, but my, my owner or my service manager is really pushing me to run as many calls as I can. And I think that's something that we need to talk about, you know, at some point with the, with the owners and service group that you gotta be connected. The process that you ask the technician to follow and the training that you do has to be connected to the management so that everybody's on the same page. That's such a great point, Gary. I can't count the times I've been in a training with service technicians. And I'll say something like, so what do you run, four or five calls a day? And they start laughing. <laughs> four or five, try nine or 10, right? That's, that's a cultural issue, that's a systems issue, yeah. that's a management problem yeah. that you're talking about, right? That we have to make sure it's, it's all well and good to tell our guys, take the time, deliver the value, you know, build a relationship, earn the trust, all those things, but I'm not gonna give you time to do it, right? It really is uh, kind of a comprehensive process that has to be instituted from the top down. So that kind of talks about step one, the introduction, the transparency, earning the trust. The next stage of the call is what I refer to as the mechanical magic, right? Doing stuff that, that fixes a system, improves quality of life, makes the homeowner happier, right? That's the, that's the real magic of what so many technicians do. They bring to the table the years of experience, their years of training, their dedication, those expensive tools around their, uh, around their belt, right? Most companies aren't buying those for technicians. Technicians spend the money on those tools. They bring to bear all of that experience, talent, commitment, tools, everything to be able to perform their mechanical magic. One of the things that I really believe is that, you know, we talk about value, relative perceived value, and that, that perceived is so important. 
so many times technicians do things that are enormously valuable to the homeowner. But if the homeowner doesn't see it, it didn't happen. And this is where you touched on earlier, Drew, about getting the homeowner involved to the extent that you can, right? If they're in the attic and you can't, you can use video, you can have other pictures, whatever. You've got to get that homeowner connected to helping understand the problems. Because again, the more they understand the problems, the more connected they are to the diagnostic, the more you know, likely they are to accept your recommendations for the cure, right? So let, let's talk about that in, in terms of you know, the, the mechanical process, the mechanical magic. Uh, I've heard companies talk about kind of the show and tell, uh, show and tell, you know, every 10 minutes or so, you know, bring something home. That might, you know, some people might say that's a lot, right? Every 10 minutes. But at the same time, we have to make sure that we're playing show and tell, but we're not playing tattletale. We're not running to the homeowner. Look what I found. Look what I found. Look what's wrong with your system. Look what your system did, right? We don't want to be a rat. <laughs> we'll be a, you know, snitches get stitches, right? We don't want to be the rat on the system, but we have to educate. <laughs> I feel like we that's just got a federal a penitentiary life. lesson here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we got an icon, we got a legend, and we have an anomaly. I don't know. You know You're the guru. So, uh, yeah. Hey, can I, can I uh, give my icon some props here? <laughs> Absolutely. So, hey, he's my icon too, pal. Uh, <laughs> Drew and Russ are, are doing some training for our group, and uh, uh, Chris uh, ran a service call in, in uh, Prescott, and so uh, he, uh, he called to have a conversation with me. He was so giddy. It was 8 o'clock at night on a Saturday night, and he was just through the roof excited because he was using your process. And uh, what he did was he, he crawled underneath a house in Prescott and he, he took some pictures and, uh, you know, used his iPad, took some photography, brought it back up to the homeowner and said, hey, you know, your duct system is falling apart. This is, look, this is what's going on. And the homeowner commented he had had three other companies out and nobody had gone underneath and taken the time to go under there. And so he was, he was impressed by that. So Chris started having a conversation, you know, with the homeowner and the homeowner elected uh, not just to fix and repair the ducts, but to repair all the ducts because Chris did a good thing. He said, you know, your, your duct system that's falling apart is the rest of it's probably going to fall apart, too. If, it, if it's happening now, the rest of it's probably going to be at risk. So here's your option. We can fix this. That'll fix the airflow problem for you today. Or here's the other stuff we can do. And he ended up selling them two brand new systems and ducks and it's about a $40,000 transaction. So that came directly from Drew and Russ's conversations and training with our group. Chris just wouldn't have done that in the past. It would have been a normal repair where somebody would have gone in and, and simply would have had a conversation about it. So uh, involving the homeowner and involving the discussions and the, the process that you're describing, it's real money. That's, real that's, money. that's, that's, that's a huge amount of money that just wouldn't have happened if we weren't using the techniques that you're talking about. But that well, money, you. that revenue comes from the relationship, the position of trust, it didn't just happen, right? It's all part of that process.